Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Guys, I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. Um, to give you a little backstory about myself before I begin, um, if I have not met you before, I haven't gotten to chat with you, my name is Gianna, like Tom said. Um, the really cute worship leader is my husband. <laughs> I, I've always wanted to say something like that, so it's perfect, perfect. Um, but I grew up in Southern California and moved up here to go to school in Eugene, Oregon, where I went to Northwest Christian University. Right now it's Bushnell. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I got to Eugene and then started coming to Westside as soon as I was a freshman and then um, eventually became staff once I graduated. And on the side, I coached soccer, hence my boot. So I had to tell you that playing soccer, trying to be a, a retired soccer player, and I fractured my foot, but I'm okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I grew up playing soccer all my life, so it was, it was funny that now I broke my foot. Silly. But when I was younger, I loved, loved, loved playing soccer, but something that I loved more than playing soccer um, were stuffed animals. I was obsessed, and my husband would probably say, I still love them a little bit now. Um, <laughs> but um, I just remember being little, and I would find, you know, a toy stuffed animal at the store, and I would go to my parents, and I would say, I, you know, I really want this for my birthday, or I really want this for Christmas, and I would get so worked up and so anxious and worried that they wouldn't remember, you know, what toy or what stuffed animal that I wanted. So I would constantly bug them and be like, can you get that for me? I really want that. Um, don't forget. And I would be so, like, again, worried and anxious over the fact that they might either be late to buying it when they get there to get it, then it's not going to be there. So, so, so worried. Um, and so t- today we're wrapping up our series in what would Jesus undo? And uh, my topic is worry. So what would Jesus undo in our lives in order for us to just be fully devo- devoted followers of him. Um, and I think one of, those, one of those aspects could be worry. Jesus would undo worry in our lives. And you know, before I continue, worry comes in so many different shapes and sizes. Worry, we can worry over little things, we can worry over big things. So um, take all of those things into consideration when we, when we move on and we talk about it. Um, so me talking about my, my young self being worried about these little things to my parents just kind of reminds me of, of how God probably looks down at us at, in the things that are going on in our lives. Again, some things are really serious, and of course, um, worry comes up in them. But God's so big, and he knows so much that he's probably, you know, looking, looking at us like, oh, you guys, just, I, and, you know, I know you're worried about this, but, you know, it's just a stuffed animal. It's just, it's just a toy. I can take care of you. Like, I, I can take care of you and more. I'll remember, um, you know, what you need. So let's define worry. I'm sure we all know what worry means, but let's just look at the definition really quick before we go on. Worry. Give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. A state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. So, you know, kind of, I'm sure that's what we kind of thought, but um, gives us a little more tangible idea of worry. So let's, let's dive into Matthew 6. It's going to be verses 25 through 30, 34. It's going to be on the screen for you, but you can look it up if you need. 
Let's read it together and see what Jesus says about worry. So to give you a little context, this is where um, Jesus is continuing the Sermon on the Mount, um, teaching the people about the blessings that come from putting God first. And again, give more context. The people who are listening um, most likely are poor, and they truly live day to day. So um, the words that Jesus are going to speak to these people um, are, are really relevant. So he's speaking, speaking to them. I, and again, can be relevant to us as well. I'm going to read, I really like the New English translation, so that's what I'm going to read to you guys. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? So then don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the unconverted pursue these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. So good, so good. I love that so much. So I want to I wanna make a point in the NIV. I really like the NIV as well, but I loved the New English transverse, translation. But in the NIV, it says, but seek his kingdom first. And I think that's a really big detail that we have to hone in on that we'll get to in a little bit. But just, just I want you to remember that part. Seek his kingdom first. That first part is very important. And then also, just a little thing, but in the NKJV version, um, so in the, uh, this one, uh, let's find it. He's just saying like, oh, um, yeah, you people of little faith. Um, but then NKJV says, I, and I j- just imagine God like looking down at us and like grabbing our, you know, grabbing our face a little bit and saying like, Oh, you of little faith. It says, oh, you of little faith. I just, I think it's honestly an endearing term. Jesus just, you know, grabbing us, being like, oh, you of little faith. Like, you have no idea, uh, which is just so sweet. Okay, sorry, we're going to do more reading, but I really also want to read to you the message version, um, which, again, just, you know, maybe a little uh, more relevant to our, our day and age, but uh, let's read this together, and then we'll, we'll dissect more. The message says... If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to life than the food you put into your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? 
All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up at what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when hard things come up when the time comes. So good, so good. Part of me when I was practicing this, I just read that and I was like, well, I don't think I need to preach anymore because uh, that, just, that just said it all. It's so good, it's so good, it's such a good reminder. And you know, it's, it's not saying that we can't wear cute clothes or, or you know, be into those types of things or you know, uh, love good food. It's more just saying like, we don't have to worry about it. We can enjoy those things as our gifts that God had given us, but we don't need to worry about it. But the big thing I wanna take from the message is, is this, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied or worried with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. Giving and getting are, you know, one and the same, vice versa, which is, which is cool to be framed that way. Let's not be worried about what we're going to get, but how we can respond to what God's going to give us. So good. So... We're going to continue on, but I want to tell you first what Jesus is not saying and what I'm not saying as we continue on. Jesus is not saying that we can sit around and do nothing. Jesus isn't saying that we can wake up in the morning, sleep in, not feed ourselves, not go to work, not prepare. That's not a useful time or useful um, that's not how we can use our time well. That's not responsible with our time. God's not saying to do that's That's what we should do. We can't be um, expecting our bodies to uh, be healthy or be fueled if we're not feeding ourselves, if we're, if we're not working or, or keeping our bodies healthy. It's not going to magically happen by just believing. We have, we have to do things. We have to, Jesus is trusting us with that. Another thing that Jesus is not saying, he's not saying that planning is wrong. Um, I'm not much of a planner myself, but my, my husband definitely is a planner. And, um, you know, those, those can uh, rub together in the wrong way sometimes. But planning is not wrong. Planning, again, is a useful um, tool, and it's a responsible way to use your time. If you're preparing, uh, you know, for a birthday party, if you have your child's birthday party and you don't plan anything and the, the day comes and your five-year-old is like, eh, you didn't plan a birthday, that, you know, not, not good use of your time. So those things aren't just going to magically happen if we don't plan for it, if we don't prepare for it. Um, so planning is not wrong. And then the last part, which I think is the most important part, 
Jesus is not saying that medication and therapy for those mental health issues is wrong. It doesn't make you ungodly, and it doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith. I want you to hear that clearly. Taking medication for your anxiety, depression, whatever, mental illness, or, or going to therapy, that, those are useful tools that we can use in order to aid our anxieties, depressions, our worries. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean um, that you have any less faith than the next person. So now let's move on and to go into what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that worry is not going to change a thing, which is totally easier said than done, because sometimes we worry and we can't really help it, you know? So that, that, it, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to, to grasp, but worry is not going to change a thing. Again, in verse 27, it says, um, it's not going to add time to your life by worrying. We're not going to add anything on if we worry. In the message, it says you won't grow an inch taller if you worry. Um, so again, you're not going to add anything to your life. In fact, I would say that it could take away time of your life if we worry. How many of you have ever felt like physically or mentally um, you know, unhealthy or, or physically um, or mentally um, down because of stress. Like you, you, you feel it in your body. Yeah, you feel it mentally and physically in your body when you stress and you worry. I know I have. I remember, um, and it was, it was kind of a silly thing, but I just remember being overwhelmed and I remember feeling my body physically ache. And I was like, I, I don't have a fever, I don't have the flu, but like my body aches because I'm so anxious over this thing. Again, which is, it's hard, it's hard to relieve that when we're, we're feeling so overwhelmed by those feelings. Um, but that stress is destructive to our physical and mental health. So again, it's definitely not going to add time, and in fact, it might take away time. A story in the Bible that I just love to kind of imagine and daydream with, um, where people were probably very worried, was the story of Jesus turning water into wine. Um, I was reading over it, and it's not, I mean, I'm not no Bible scholar, so maybe there's the answer in there, and I just don't know it. But it's not totally clear who's in charge of the wine. Like, it's, I'm sure it's the workers there, but, like, whoever is the host of the party probably didn't even know what was, what was happening. Um, but I can imagine the workers are going to each other, like, hey, do you know the wine's out? Hey, the wine's, the wine's running out. What do we do? And freaking out because someone's going to find out soon. Um, so, you know, they're, they're anxious, worried over this, and, and it seems like someone goes to Mary and is like, Mary, our, you know, our uh, Jesus' mom, um, our wine's running out, and she's like, oh, shoot, okay, hold on. She goes to Jesus. She's like, hey, do you know the wine's running out? Like, you're Jesus. Can you, can you do something about that? And he's like, I'll do it when, my, you know, when it's my, my time. Just hold on, lady, basically, in a nice way. I'm sure Jesus is nice about it, but he's like, oh, her again, this mom nagging me. Um, <laughs> but then, again, Jesus takes his time. He's like, okay, everybody, fill up the things with water, we're doing, you're, we're doing it, and he's just probably like so cool, calm, collected, and everybody's like, ah, the wine, yeah, the wine, um, but then Jesus, fill, you know, turns water into not just the crappy, cheap wine, excuse my language, the bad wine, <laughs> but he turns it into the best wine, they say, oh, yeah. normally people bring out their bad wine at the end of this, but you brought out the best wine, 
Let, give Jesus space to give you the best wine. So good. I love it. So that's where, you know, where you won't change a thing. So let's move on to live one day at a time. Who's reminded themselves of this lately? I feel like that's a, our normal piece of advice we give to ourselves, we give to our friends. One step at a time, one foot in front of the other, which I obviously didn't do with my broken foot. Um, <laughs> but how many, yeah, how many of us remind ourselves that? Let's, let's take this one step at a time. It kind of goes back to planning. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. So if we plan and prepare for the future, but we take each day at a time, we're going to be in pretty good, in pretty good shape. Um, I mentioned to you that I married that guy a little bit ago. Uh, we got married last October, and this was about the time that we were wedding planning, and at, at this time, we were, I, was, I was fine. I was feeling good, living day by day. We're good. And then a month came around, and that was this time when the, the stress set in, and I was like, okay, things are starting to happen, and things are changing and not going according to plan, so now I'm getting stressed, and I won't, I won't, I'll, I'll save you from like all the details, but our event coordinator called me like a week before, and she's like, yeah, so we can't fit that many tables in your, you know, in your building or whatever. And if you've planned a wedding or been at a wedding, been to a wedding, and you like have your table set with the people that are going to be there, not having all your tables just like doesn't really work. Like you can't just say, oh, sorry, you don't have a table. Like that doesn't work. And so to be told that a week before the wedding, you can see the pain in my eyes. Obviously, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. But I, <laughs> that happened like three days before, and I definitely didn't go to the Lord first. I probably said some choice words and was mean to Marcus and other people around me. Um, but I was, so, I was so mad, and at some point, I just had to like calm down and go, okay, what are we going to get done today? What can be done today? And then let's go to bed, head there you know, the next morning, and figure out the next day. And guess what? It worked out. Um, the night before, too, it said it was supposed to rain on Saturday. So Friday said Saturday forecast is rain, which not a huge deal. We were going to have a tent, so that was a whole thing. But we're going to have a tent. We'll be fine if it rains. But of course, I didn't want it to rain. Um, and I definitely worried about it, but I prayed about it too. So, you know, God blesses us even when we're bad at, at asking him for help. But I, you know, tried to pray about it. And then I woke up the next morning, and it was a beautiful, sunny day. And I was like, oh, God, you did it, you did it again. What the heck? It was so, it was just a, a, <laughs> a really sweet thing. Like that was like that, I mean the whole wedding was a gift, but like that was such, that was just like Jesus being like, here's, here's your wedding gift. Here's a little gift, a little sunny day for you. So my, my worrying, my worrying didn't add anything to it. Probably just stressed me out, but then he still blessed me with, blessed us with a beautiful sunny day. So again, Matthew, um, that, verse in or that verse in chapter 6, 34 says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Another verse I want to point out, Psalm 68, 19 says, He is a God who daily bears our burdens. He's not a God who weekly bears our burdens. He's not a God who monthly bears our burdens or yearly bears our burdens. He's a God who daily bears our burdens, bears our burdens. Let him bear your burdens daily. He will take it every day. 
So that's living one day at a time. Next, next one is trust and believe that God will take care of your needs. Trust and believe that God will take care of your needs. Because guess what? He already knows everything you need. He would love for you to probably tell him. I know he probably likes to hear me still, you know, talk with him and, and know what's going on. I mean, knows what's going on in my brain, but uh, verbalizing it. But he already, he already knows everything that you need. He takes care of the birds and the lilies. Why wouldn't he take care of you? He takes care of the birds, the animals, the plants. I love what the message says. Like, why, why wouldn't he take care of you too? Like, you are so valuable to him. Everything else is value to, valuable to him. Why wouldn't you be valuable to him, more valuable than that, to him? I get the privilege to uh, lead a group of students from Bushnell University to a mission trip. I leave uh, a week from tomorrow, and this is a trip that I've been able to go on, a, on as a student, and I got to lead last year. Um, and I've been able to go to Nicaragua, Mexico, just those types of places, and I just love, love, love um, being able to go to those trips. So every time that I get go on those trips and, and see the people that we get to work with and be with and love on, what a reality check, what a reality check. I always come home, one, feeling more served than I ever could serve them. But they, it's so obvious, they have so much more faith than I do, so much more trust in the, in the Lord than I do. They truly trust and have faith that God is going to provide for them every day. They don't know how much money they're going to make at the end of the day. They don't know what food or water they're going to have at the end of the day. But their faith and their love in the Lord is so obvious. It's so much stronger than mine. Last year, uh, we, we worked with the family. We got to rebuild their roof, which is crazy. Um, but it was, it was awesome. But the thing that I think stuck out to me the most... They, they let us use their bathroom, which is huge for letting us use their bathroom. There's like 12 of us. Use their toilet paper, use their soap. Amazing. You walk into the bathroom, and the only thing that's separating the water from like the shower that comes down into the rest of the bathroom are cement blocks. I think that was such a huge like reality for me of like, oh, they... It's just, it's just, a, that's a visual I'll never forget. Like, they truly, truly trust that the Lord is going to take care of them each step of the way. They're going to trust that, you know, God's going to keep that water in their shower with those cement blocks and not flood the rest of their house. So cool, so cool. And another story that um, really reminds me of uh, trusting that the Lord's going to take care of our needs is um, when... Mary and Martha were calling for Jesus to come and take care of Lazarus. Um, Lazarus was their brother, and I don't know if you are familiar with the story, but obviously, brother and sister, they love each other so much. Lazarus, Lazarus sorry, that's going to be hard for me to say. Um, lo- Jesus loves Lazarus so much. And I can only imagine Mary and Martha calling on Jesus, being like, Lazarus is sick. Like, I need you. I need you to come. I need you to come now. And again, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen. He knew, you know, what, um, how the story was going to end. But he, Jesus is like, okay, you know, in his head, he's like, okay, I need, I need a few more days, and then we're going to go into town, and I'll be with, be with him. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for a few days. And Mary and Martha are like, 
if you were just here a little sooner, you could, you know, you could have healed him. You could have healed him. And the people looking on are like, man, if that guy just came a little bit sooner, we know he could heal him from his sickness. But now that he's dead, it kind of seems like hope is lost. Um, but, but Mary makes a comment of like, yeah, if you came here sooner, you probably would have gone better if you healed him. But like, I trust you. But, you know, she's giving a little bit of like, okay, but I, I know you're, I know you're God, and I know you can do amazing things. Um, and of course, this breaks Jesus' heart to see them going through this hard time, which I'm sure he also sees us going through hard times and in, in his hurt and feels feels sad. But he knew that the ultimate purpose of what was going to happen was going to be helpful. He needed to give this last miracle to. Um, kind of, not prove himself, but to, to show, give the people another chance to believe in him. So he raises Lazarus from the dead. Amazing. Um, and of course, they're like, oh, their, their minds are blown. Um, and just a sweet, sweet miracle. I, I, I love that um, those two stories came to mind because the, the turning water into wine was the first miracle that Jesus did publicly. And then, um, Lazarus was was kind of the last, um, so it's kind of a cool little cool little thing. Um, but yeah, again, to show people to give them a chance to be like, trust in me. Um, yeah, so he not he not only knows your needs, but he's more than capable capable of fulfilling them. And lastly, my last point is seek God first, which is which is hard. It's that we're going back to the that word seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. So what does, that, what does that even mean? What does even seeking in his kingdom and his righteousness look like? Sometimes I read these things and I'm like, okay, I get it in my head, but like I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. How do I how do, I do that? This is kind of the, a, a better sense maybe or help you understand a little bit more. It's making the conscious decision to turn towards God and away from what's not of him. So turning towards heavenly things, turning our back towards worldly things, which again, much easier said than done because the world is constantly full of things and being in our, and being in our face. Um, so it's, it's hard to turn to him first. What do we tend to turn to first? Because I know a lot of times for me, it's not God. I don't turn to God first because I turn to other things. And other things could be good, essentially good, but if God's not first, then maybe that's you know where, where um, things get blurry. I know for me, if I get worried, I probably tend to Marcus first, which... Again, it's good. He's my spouse. Sure, I should turn to him. But if I'm not, if I'm not giving it to God first, like maybe, maybe that's going to make a difference. Um, but there's also you know, hard things in our life that we turn to. The classic um, you know, hard things in life that are pulling us in different directions. Whatever you may be struggling with and turn to first, maybe we have to be real with ourselves and go, okay, what, what's that thing I turn to first before I turn to God? Um, again, so much easier said than done because some things, some things are inherently good, but let's turn to God first. So how do we do that? How do we turn to God first? That hard question. I think, like, to put it so simply, um, love God and love one another. That, again, it's such a cliche answer, but I really think it makes a difference. It's really true. Um, we all know that verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Watch your worries wash away when you get focused on someone else's needs. I think that is a beautiful thing to practice. Um, loving others well, loving God well. I think we'll see 
what is gonna change in our hearts and in our anxieties and our worries when we focus on those things. And lastly, which is really hard for me, um, is rest, is Sabbath. If you're not familiar with Sabbath, that's just like um, a way to rest, but like a way of uh, healthily resting, resting our, our spirits and our souls. And the first time that I ever got to preach at Westside, I got to talk about Sabbath. And I talk about Sabbath because I'm horrible at it. Did you know that Sabbath is uh, one of the Ten Commandments? I always forget that, and that's crazy. Because I, at least in my life, I don't know about you, but like, I don't listen to that one of the, that command at all, and I'm like, ooh, that's important. That's a, that's one of the ten commands. We got to do that. Um, so again, I, I would love to um, talk about that more in depth in another time. But essentially, um, rest. And so, what does that what does that look like? What does that look like for us? So a lot of times, Jesus um, would go and find himself find himself alone, have time alone, um, go, in, go in the woods, go in nature. Um, and if that's something that you like, like that's a great outlet to do. Um, but just finding quiet time, finding time to sit and be still and read or journal or pray or just, just be, I think that's so much better for our souls than we realize um, again, I'm horrible at it. When I rest, I want to watch my favorite show, which again, isn't necessarily bad. Um, but if we're not filling our souls in the way that they need to rest, um, then um, that honestly is going to uh, then, you know, aid our, our anxieties and our, um, and our worries. It's going to, if we don't use that time well, our anxieties and worries are probably going to be more. So get away from your phone, get away from media, and just see, like, maybe the change in just, like, the weight on your shoulders um, when you can just, like, let go. Let go and let God. Sorry. That's a silly. <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. Um, I'm going to wrap up, so I'm going to invite the band back up. Um, but again, I, I say all this, and there's so much more that I could say or that we could talk about or go through. But it's so much easier said than done. It's a practice. It, trying to ease your worries and your anxieties and truly turn to the Lord, it's a practice. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen a day. Maybe if you're really awesome, it will. No. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But it's so much easier said than done. The world is constantly pulling us in all different directions. Um, the world is going to really, you know, mess you up if, you, if you're not keeping a close attention. Jesus didn't tell the people to stop worrying. He told them to replace worry with a concern for the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. Jesus didn't tell the people to stop worrying. He told them to replace worry with a concern for the kingdom. A quote I read was, a habit or a passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. Let's stop worrying, but replace it with a concern for a kingdom. We are to be concerned with the right things. We are to be concerned with the kingdom, those ultimate issues of life. But we then leave the management and the worry over those things with our Heavenly Father. Again, I just, I just imagine Jesus Taking our little our little face, oh you of little faith, worried about the stuffed animal or the toy or whatever it is in our lives, those little worries that we have. Like I'm gonna take care of you. I love you. Just remember that. Thank you guys. Let's pray together. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We love your spirit, your gentleness, your thoughtfulness, your care. Thank you for loving us and valuing us. Thank you for valuing us more than the birds and the plants, Lord. Fill everybody here with your peace. Help them, help us replace our worry with a concern for you. As we go into this week and we find ourselves being anxious or worried about something, help us turn to you first and go about it day by day. Jesus, you are so good and you know our every need. You know our every need. Help us create space for you to surprise us, to love us, um, and just provide for us, Lord. And even if you don't, we still love you because you are still good and you are still God. So we know you have a bigger plan. Your, your plan is better, your will is better, even when we don't see the full picture. Thank you, thank you. In your name we pray, amen.